0: Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night Outside Podcast. He is Chris Marlar. I am Connor O'Cara. Marlar, we don't have a guest today. That's weird for a midweek pod for us, but you know where we are going to have a guest? Our live Sad. show. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. We have Can't wait. Peter Burns, our good friend PB. Jacob Hester, both going to be in attendance. Maybe potentially some other guests that we're trying to finalize. People have very busy schedules during conference championship weekend. That is what we have learned well, from this whole experience. Unless but, you're an Alabama fan. Oh, gosh. It's oh, going to get worse for you this ad read in a second here. That, uh, I did not write the ad read that's coming up, but I, I promise you. I'll blame you for worse. it. Yeah, don't blame me for it. Our live event, for those of you who have you know maybe been living under a rock, not living to the podcast, whatever, Friday night. College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, downtown. It's going to be awesome. We've got event tickets that are linked on our Facebook group. We're going to have it all over our social media. It's all over our social media right now as well. If you are in search of tickets and you can't find it for whatever reason, reach out to us, send us a DM, send us a tweet, whatever it is. Make sure that you are there. Tickets are still on sale for that Bring a friend, bring your mom, bring your aunt, your girlfriend, bring, you know, bring your husband, whatever. Bring your kids. It doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're one, you know, we're an audience for all. We're not going to, it's not going to be a rated R show. Well, so I mean, you are that. for sure. Uh, yeah.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I should have probably there said There is that. a cash bar. So, I mean, like, it's we are part. an audience for, for most. We're a family-friendly audience up until a certain point.
0: Up until, yeah, yeah. Like, once we get to fourth and wrong, and if you want to earmuff sure. the kids, then, you know, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. am going to go
1: outside for a minute and we'll just you know knock back a couple of PBRs. Amen. Have at it, Hulse.
0: Amen. I'm looking forward to it. Seriously, it's going to be so much fun. We're really, really excited to be able to do this with the College Football Hall of Fame. It's going to be a great event. If you're going to be anywhere near Atlanta, please, please, please do what you can to make it out to the College Football Hall of Fame. All right, Marler, we've got a lot to get to today. We've got SEC Championship stuff. We've got some coaching search stuff. Matt Luke, we have not had a chance to go oh, full in depth. Man. It's gonna be sad. It's gonna it's be the sad. worst week ever. It's been it's been a rough week for you. It really has. Now that I that you think about it. But we've got our live event that's gonna totally turn everything yep. around. Before we get to everything that we're gonna talk about today, got to tell you about our friends at Sweet Hop. Speaking of getting worse for you. Sick of leftover Turkey and watching Alabama in another SEC championship game? Well, not this season, my friends. Sorry, Bama fans. I'm sure that you'll be back next year. I swear I didn't what write that. What is going that. on right now? I didn't write that. That's a savage move on their part. Um, The 2019 SEC Championship game will be a historic matchup between LSU's explosive offense versus Georgia's relentless defense this Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Don't witness college football greatness in overcrowded stands, waiting in long lines on the concourse, and parking in the next county over. Watch the 2019 SEC Championship game in style and comfort from a luxury suite with access to premium amenities like in-suite dining, comfortable seating, and VIP parking, there's still time to book a private suite or shared suite for the game. And booking a suite is the best way to see the game, whether you're reuniting with your college buddies or hosting a client event to ensure that you land that deal before the end of the year. Whatever it is, make sure that you go to SweetHop. Our friends at SweetHop will help you and your group they're gonna set you up with the ultimate experience in a VIP suite at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Suites comfortably seat groups of 18 to 30 people and include special access to VIP parking, extra wide seats, big screen TVs, premium catering, and all of the other premium perks, including getting to skip those long lines to the restroom and the rest of the stadium. If you are ready to live the sweet life at the 2019 ICC Championship game, visit SweetHop.com, that's S-U-I-T-E-H-O-P.com to book the experience of a lifetime before it's too late. Did you know SweetHop can also hook you up with suites and seats and shared seats at other events and venues as well. From concerts and pro sports to Supercross and family events, sweet Hop can upgrade your event experience all across North America. With sweet Hop, there are no hidden fees, and you'll enjoy world-class personalized service from our team of sweet experts. Check us out and start living that sweet life. The sweet life is the best way to see a live event. Saturday Down South listeners, as we always say, $500 off any SEC Championship private suite purchase using that promo code SDS. Just head to SweetHop.com. Once again, that's s u i t e h o p.com and use the code SDS for 500 American dollars off of any SEC Championship private suite booking. Marlon.
1: Jeez, boy, get some Gatorade, man. Whew. That is you've already spoken enough for the for the live event. Yeah, give me a, give me a break here. I need a I need a breather right now. Goodness gracious. That should be I mean Again, listen. I know there's there's two there's two teams. There's two types of fans going into the stadium this weekend. And and again, as somebody that's been fortunate and lucky enough to sit in a suite, uh, or at least like the like the priority seating or whatever, um, at, at at different events, you know, there's your highs and your lows. So you had the Tebow game two thousand nine, the one I sold my car to. There was also last year where I was in Santa Clara and Alabama lost to Clemson. Guys, I can't stress to you enough how much better losing and winning, obviously, but
0: losing even, is when you're in a suite. Oh, it really is. I mean, it makes everything so much better. We're actually going to be hanging out with our good buddies in a suite on Saturday. Yeah, we're going to be hanging out with Candler Cook & Company. Knock on wood. Uh, We're going to make sure we can get in there. Yeah, yeah, no, we we'll, we'll be fine. We're we're going to be we have we have other tickets as well, but we're going to meet up with them, hang out in the suite. Don't tell anybody at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium security. I don't think they'll yeah. really check that, that that closely, but uh, we'll figure it out. It's going to be a lot of fun though. Okay. Before we talk about SEC Championship stuff, we've got a lot to get to and we're going to talk a lot, you know, about the SEC Championship at our live show as well. Let's do some playoff rankings reactions. Not surprisingly, <sighs> LSU is still at number 2 behind Ohio State. The question that everybody's asking now, that wasn't necessarily that big of a surprise because Michigan was considered the better win than Texas A&M. I get all that. The question now is, can LSU actually hurdle Ohio State? And what would that look like potentially? So, I was of the impression that if Ohio State won out, Ohio State was going to be the number one seed no matter what. Yeah, I get that. Having said that, there's just a little thing in the back of my mind that's wondering, you know what? Ohio State's got the bar set much higher than I think LSU does for this for their respective conference championship game. We've already seen Ohio State beat Wisconsin by 31. Yeah. If Ohio State lays an egg and lays an egg in a win, let's say that. Let's say they win a game by seven points, a game that they're right. favored by, I think, 16 and a half, they are. and LSU wins by three touchdowns. You think LSU's not getting that one seed? Because I think I they're getting the one seed. I don't. I, and I think that the committee is, for whatever reason –
1: it, like as we get further and further into this week by week they have become more and more confusing and i feel like made less and less sense and not necessarily with the top you know top 3 to 4 or 5 teams but like man you get down past like 7 and it is just a craft shoot every single week and it 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 shouldn't be it's it isn't anywhere else in polls like i i just i don't get it but i i don't think they're going to give lsu a chance to hurdle ohio state and it, it honestly like It's kind of frustrating. It's kind of frustrating because, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. LSU, like Ohio State going into the last weeks of the season, they had everything in front of them where they could still vault themselves into the number one position, right? Mm -hmm. The number one ranking. Because they were still going to play Penn State. They were still going to play Michigan. uh, And one of those games was on the road. LSU didn't really have that chance because they played Arkansas, which is just... The worst Same, have the schedule, yeah. um And you know, as I kept saying over and over and over again, I thought A and M would be ranked late in like the third or the week three rankings. I guess that came out right where they played Georgia. That didn't happen, and you're starting to see a little bit of a. Honestly, I think it's like a backlash towards like the SEC, where I feel like the committee doesn't want to face the the music of or like the backlash from from the national uh fa- like fan base of
0: of other schools but they're, like they they think they're giving the sec the benefit of the doubt the pendulum has swung the other way A- I, am, am i wrong I, saying that and no i i think there's something to be said for that because i know florida fans were frustrated to see wisconsin yeah at that, at that number eight spot because that impacts new year's six potential seating and you know I I don't necessarily like I don't want to really dig into as much like the Wisconsin resume stuff as much. I think people are very hung up on the Illinois loss and it's a bad loss. They have three top twenty five wins. Yeah, they have three top twenty five wins. And if we're gonna talk about Georgia in the same way of like why Georgia's also getting the benefit of the doubt, it's because of quality wins. So Florida fans that are like really upset. I, you know, you hold on to the fact that Wisconsin, if it loses convincingly to Ohio State, like Florida is going to pass up Wisconsin, maybe even Auburn. Oh, they're going to New Year's potentially Six Bowl, pass up. regardless. Uh, Florida's, Florida's going to a Yeah, Florida's yeah. in. It's, it's Auburn that becomes the interesting question of could Auburn potentially have a chance to, yeah. uh, if, if Wisconsin were to get blown out, would Auburn get that to, to be able to move ahead? Because as we found out, Auburn is ranked ahead of Alabama. And that was yeah, the situation we talked about a little bit the other day with Auburn being nine and three, but having the two quality wins, Bama being ten and two, not having the top twenty-five wins, both of their top twenty-five games were losses to those respective teams. Right. And 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 you know,
1: listen, I'm not gonna sit here and defend Bama's uh strength of schedule or any other part of that. I what I don't understand though is what metrics are we using? I, mean, I jokingly said this a couple weeks ago, how frustrated I was when I was trying to make those resumes of every single team side by side and, and trying to find like the, like, the same exact yeah, stats right? and, and, and source and all that kind of stuff. So I, all I wanted to do was have, like, an objective and, and like, broader, you know, knowledge of, of all these different teams. What I don't understand is, listen, I don't think is the 12th best team in the country.
0: No, I, I, I don't either, I, but it's, I, it's resume at this
1: point. And it yeah. doesn't matter, and I don't care. Like, go to the Citrus Bowl, just yes, curb some Minnesota. Citrus Bowl, who, please. who cares? Michigan, and, and please. And I don't care if that sounds, you know, arrogant or whatever, but it's just, like... At this point, honestly, let other like Florida deserves to be in over Bama in a New Year's Six Bowl, and I know Bama fans, and they're entitled as can be, and they're not going to go like they're not going to travel down to Miami again to play Virginia. They're not going to go to uh, the Cotton Bowl to potentially get upset by Memphis, which that that would be a nightmare. But I mean, so I'm not really that concerned with that. What I don't understand is you drop Bama to twelve. You move Wisconsin to eight. You put Baylor at seven. And in the past couple weeks, when you see these big moves, these big moves, like, and it makes sense, kind of, with like Wisconsin because they beat Minnesota and and they move up four spots. Stop Minnesota's Minnesota. in the top ten. Yeah, yeah. they beat them by twenty one points. But in the same sense, if you're giving that much weight to that win, right, the committee, if you move them up four spots, you're putting a lot of weight into that win, this recent win. Mm-hmm. Then why the hell is Minnesota dropping down ten spots in yeah. the same week? Yeah. I don't get it. And, and like, and the thing with Baylor again. This is just something that's really bothered me with with what they've done to LSU's schedule, which is LSU did the right thing. They went out and played a a massive massive national brand yep, in a home and, right? home and home. And you know, listen, we all know that Texas is not as good as we thought they were. They're 7 and 5. They're not a great team. They're like 127th in pass defense. Regardless, if we're going to if we're going to use that game to boost up Baylor five spots when you've been low on of the entire year, then how are we not doing the same thing for for LSU it, it like at any point of the season like why he literally said last night he's like, okay that's a really that's a good win for
0: Baylor against a good a really good Texas team like no they're not i'm smiling at you because i just remembered that texas is trying to make a play to go out and get Joe Brady to fix the offense. Oh, uh, my God. Which is just the most laughable thing in the world. Good for you, Tom Herman. Good for yeah. you, you dumb steer Bevo, for going out and trying to say, oh, yeah, our offense is broken. Let's go and pick the team that we, we think we could poach them from. From we, we think we could steal Joe Brady from LSU. We don't think money's an issue or anything like that. We're going to just offer him like $3 bucks and assume that he's going to come over here thinking that LSU is not going to want to do everything in their power to keep the guy who built the most historic offense in LSU you history get out of here texas I, I a freaking it, break i don't get oh it gosh. it's the whole thing though is it really is weird because
1: like it, it seems like it's kind of a moving target because you know like it, it, to be honest listen i'll say it it's refreshing that that bama is not I, i'm i i wouldn't want them to be like five or six what if they're 11-1 and, and have to deal with all this like scrutiny of like looking at the schedule and the same argument like it, it it is it will be fun to see like new teams in there i, I get it but, but at the same time man It it doesn't make any sense. Like like FPI, they are using FPI, and you've been you like you were the first one. Like you were the day one person that said this is so such a dumb dumb metric or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. Like I don't know like how they come up with the numbers because they have the strength of schedule, and I look at Jeff Sagarin's strength of schedules as well, like his rankings. But when you look at like the strength of schedule in ESPN FPI, or you look at the FPI ranking itself. Bama is still third at ten and two ahead of LSU, and you're like, "What? Like, what are we?" At some point, common sense has to prevail, and it makes no sense. I just, I just don't get it, and, and I don't. I just really don't understand with the LSU thing. How you could look at that team and be like, "Ah, oh, they're not complete." Five thirty
0: eight said uh, the the odds website, very popular odds website, yeah. said that if LSU loses this weekend, that only has a six percent chance to make the playoff. Okay, sure. I, I almost kind of hope that happens so that we could just see that. So just we could just squash all that the FBI stuff. Uh, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's people in a room. It's people in a room sitting down right. making a decision. Like why are we trying to like come up with crazy, ridiculous like analytics and stuff like that? Like let's 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 chill on this. Let's let's realize that there's a very subjective element to this. No, I like that, the analytics part. No, like th- th- there are certain there are certain things though that like. When you don't know how the analytics are being discovered, like an FBI, right. what's the point? Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. You so, know,
1: you know what South Carolina was real quick. Do you know what South Carolina was ranked like? And this is the issue I had because they kept they kept putting USC up there when they were like six and four or seven and four. Like USC USC Southern Cal or USC yeah. South Carolina? USC okay. Southern you went Cal, from South Carolina to. Is, to well, USC, so and here's why: because when I was looking at the strength of schedule, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and do an in-depth, like, deep dive into every opponent, each team, each each like. Playoff contender has faced and look at their ranking on FPI and get the average so I can figure out the, the average rank of each opponent for for the, the top playoff contenders. Yep. South Carolina was ranked like 33rd in FPI. They were four and seven at the time. How's that possible? Sounds like a great
0: stat. I mean, it makes no sense. It's really dumb. So that there there's a subject there's a, a subjective nature to this, and I think I keep coming back to this belief that. Because Every, everybody's talking about the, the, the final spot in the playoff. That's yeah. the most intriguing storyline going into this, this final weekend. We think LSU, we think Ohio State, we think they already have their bits clinched. And Georgia, that's pretty self-explanatory. They win, they're in. Obviously, if they lose, they're not in. So everybody's talking about Oklahoma, Baylor, and Utah. Those are the three teams everybody's fixated on. And it's interesting because if LSU somehow does get up to that one seed somehow, then they would theoretically play one of these teams. So that's the interesting thing of the way that this weekend is set up. And I keep coming back to this because there's a belief right now that a lot of people have based on the way that the selection committee has treated Utah with putting them in at the number five spot because Utah has been so dominant and I've thrown out the the power five margin of victory. They've won by an average of 25 points against power five teams. Only one one possession game since that loss to USC, which is in the top 25. So. And as the selection committee likes to say, it was on the road, and it was a Friday night. You know what else is a Friday night? The Pac-12 championship. It's going to be going on during our live show. In fact, so maybe we can get updates from score updates from people that are in the crowd. I get who's going to be in the crowd? That watching the Pac-12 game. Yeah, we got papers moving.
1: Oh, we got papers. I got moving. stats coming your way. Keep Here's, going.
0: Keep going. I, I have a, a little theory here. Little it, it, call it a conspiracy theory if you want. Just call it the human element. Whatever, whatever you want to call it. That game is being played on a Friday night. It's going to be played in front of like what, like ten thousand people. It's played it'll at five o'clock local this year. time. Yeah, yeah, it'll probably be more this year, but it's still played at five o'clock local time in Santa Clara. You know what that's like out there. Five it's the worst
1: commute time. ever. It makes it's terrible. It's it's just like the playoff system. It makes no or not system. But you know
0: what I mean. It makes no sense. They do it because they try and get it in prime time on a Friday night because they don't want to be sandwiched with everything else on Saturday. Having said that. If that game turns into, ah, uh, Utah, like, barely grinds out a win, you think the selection committee is just going to shut it down all weekend? Or do you think they're going to actually look at Oklahoma? If Oklahoma goes and dominates that game, a game that's being played in Jerry World, it looks significantly better than it did a few weeks ago against Baylor. And they look the part. They look like a complete team. You don't think Oklahoma's getting in? Because I do. I No, I, it, it, so – I've been saying for a couple
1: weeks now I thought Utah was going to be the one that would get in, or, or maybe Oregon because they had been up there. And, and it seemed like the committee kind of slept on Oklahoma for a minute. And, and Oklahoma, to be fair, has had a better resume in the second half of the season than than people give them credit for.
0: They've got two top 25 wins right now against current top 25 teams. Utah right. is
1: zero. Utah is zero, right. Zero. Yes, and their best win is against Washington, who's Rich. ranked 33rd.
0: Weird news out of Washington. In by the, like, CBS, Chris Peterson thing. Yeah, that was so yeah. weird. I didn't Very get that.
1: Um, so Oklahoma has the forty-first best strength of schedule according to FPI. According to Sadron, it is twenty-second. Um, and then, ironically enough, Utah is ranked fifty-four in both. So here's what I've been saying for a while. I thought the Pac-12 was going to get somebody in. I don't know if that's if that's going to happen anymore because, like, how much more could they improve their resume? Like, I mean, Utah has has covered eight straight games. They have been dominant, just like you said. Now, to be fair, they haven't played anybody worth a crap in, like, the past I don't even know how long. They haven't played anybody with a winning record in the last three games. I, this is, I would be, I would be kind of surprised because, again, it's not that I don't think Oklahoma's a great team, but, like, you have gone out of your way to disrespect Baylor the entire season.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's the interesting thing that's worth remembering as well. But I think that... For all college football fans, there there are a lot of different ways in which this can still go. Think about this scenario. If LSU were to lose to Georgia, I'm not necessarily saying that's going to happen. In a weird way, though, we would likely end up with, because Georgia would only have one loss, LSU would also have one loss, Georgia had the conference championship, and the head-to-head bid, we think Georgia would be able to move up to that number three spot, and LSU would likely be in the four spot. LSU Ohio State in the semifinal would be the matchup, and that would be fantastic. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. That that'd would be, be awesome. So great. That's. I mean, it it'll it'll all work itself out. It like, will.
1: And, and part of me does want to see Georgia just go in there and somehow pull off this miracle upset against LSU and just and screw up everything for everyone else. And and and, and honestly, for the rest of the year, I will be like Dabo on social media and just absolutely blank. On everyone. Everyone out to the SEC.
0: Our guy Peter Burns has been saying this all year. If you want the 18 playoff, you're rooting for Georgia this weekend. You want two SEC teams in the playoff because that's going to expedite this whole process and really get the ball rolling. I understand they have the TV contracts and stuff that are in place until 2024 or whatever it is. But if you really want to get momentum, this is the way to do it. Do we want to talk about a guy that is very near and dear to our hearts? A guy that we didn't have the chance to say goodbye to. On Sunday, because we recorded, and as I said at the top, I included that that part in the intro. We didn't have a chance to give a proper goodbye to Matt Luke. It's kind of you know probably how Alabama felt about Dan Enos last year. Just couldn't give him a proper goodbye. Are you just kind of came and left in the middle of the night? You're like, oh hey, I guess you're gone now. Um, That sucked, man.
1: I like I don't even it's they finished four and eight, and I hate this is going to sound stupid,
0: but I thought they were so much more improved. Here's your great stat that shows just that. Last year, Ole Miss lost SEC games by an average of 19 points. You want to guess how many they lost by an average of this year? Their average margin of, I guess, defeat. Eleven. Four point four. Really?
1: That? How? Wait, what? How's that? How'd you get that number? I I, I looked it up. Power Five. Teams. Just just like the wait, Power Five or SEC? I think it's Power. I think it's Power Five. Yeah, would have been the Cal loss as well. So is that anyway. just like their average margin of, yeah. Or, okay, they were way, way closer.
0: Way, way closer this year. So we, I, 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 you know, I mentioned the the. My, I don't get numbers,
1: be, Connor. I'll say it. Okay, I'm, I'm
0: numbered out. Now, now you got me second guessing my number. I thought that was that was legit though. Um, so Matt Luke, as we found out, was on the road recruiting, which that happens in the coaching profession. It's a bummer. It's a brutal way to get a call back to be like, hey, you're gone. Um, and be sitting in a kid's living room—that's super awkward thing. Um, Keith Carter, the athletic director, who had shed his interim tag, had come out and given him the vote of confidence mm-hmm. about a week earlier, and that's why we sort of wrote this thing off. And we thought, all right, Matt Luke is coming back. Usually, this stuff is done earlier than Sunday night. Yeah, it's Black Sunday, but usually, you know, with the Egg Bowl, you would have multiple days to be able to do something like that. He said he gave him his vote of confidence a week ago. Yeah, a week ago when he was named full-time AD. And then all of a sudden we find out that Matt Luke is not coming back. We haven't officially heard yet if the assistants are being let go. I know a lot of people are very invested into the future of Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre. you got two guys who came over and I thought did a really, really good job rebuilding their respective units. And a lot of people are wondering, are they gonna pay this buyout that's north of $17 million to fire their whole staff? Nothing's for sure yet. But what, what I will say, and I'll, I'll let you I'll let you go off here for a sec, um, you don't usually fire a head coach at the Power 5 level with the expectation that you're going to be able to retain the assistants. Yeah, that makes That's a, sense. That would be a weird move. So yeah. Miss Especially if they're not going to promote
1: them to... Like, I mean, because like, a new coach is going to come in and, and, and not like...
0: You don't keep the same... You would have fired Matt Luke a month ago when you weren't goal-eligible, yeah. and then you would have just promoted Rich Rod or Mike McIntyre to the interim, and then you would have yeah. made them the full-time coach.
1: I'll tell you what happens. You get a new manager who comes in, thinks he's hot crap, yep. named Mario, and all of a sudden, you doesn't think you are as good of a bartender anymore, and all of a sudden, you're fired, Matt Luke.
0: That's what's what the happens. worst? What's the worst name in the, in the English language? Braylon. Keith. Sorry, oh. anybody listening named Keith. That's a family name. I think it's Greg.
1: Reference. Greg with three Gs or Jeff with a G. Oh, uh, yeah, Jeff one. with a G.
0: G off is, is yeah. rough.
1: It's yeah. not their fault. It's just, I mean, their parents. But um, anyway, I, yeah, this, I mean, I just... I don't know. Every time I said that I thought he was doing a good job, I, I felt like I was saying it from a place of ignorance because I would get so much pushback from actual Ole Miss fans that care about this, and, and they did not pushback. agree with me. And I would mm-hmm. I would tend to, um, you know, kind of assume that they knew more about what they were talking about than, than I did with this this whole coaching job uh, and where the program was at. But I just it seemed like he had things going in the right direction. The stuff with, like with John Rice pumley like the just the improvement they made on defense alone. I, I, I thought was and, and I know it sounds dumb because they gave up so many points to LSU and they gave up so many points to Bama and all that kind of stuff. They they look like a different team and and Everybody they had gave up points to LSU and Bama. Everybody yeah, gave true. Points. Who cares? But I, you know I think some of the stuff that I would read and, and I don't know how much of this had anything to do with it. Um, but let's go ahead and speculate so we can just go ahead and let's do it and and uh, and start some gossip. But I mean, like from what I read or what what the things that I, I was hearing was. It was because of how the entire Elijah Moore situation was handled during the game, and what happened afterwards, and that seemed like, and that seems dumb to make such a rash decision off that. But at the same time, this decision seemed like it was a rash decision, and that's that's why I was kind of confused. I was like, maybe there is some like, you know, some like some legs to that. It's the whole thing is
0: odd. The timing of it, though, you're right. The timeline of it, because like what I said, if that was the plan all along then why not just fire him after you're ineligible for a bowl game and just promote one of the assistants if that's the plan all along? Or even, right. you know, you could have fired him three weeks ago even if you didn't have the intention of hiring Rich Rod or Mike McIntyre whatever it is. But the way that it happened on Sunday night just kind of makes you feel like, yeah, this was this – was this had that didn't you know emotionally exactly help his, yeah there was some sort of emotional decision involved it was weird to see them all come out with statements and like really try and get behind this and be like oh this isn't who we are as a program blah 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 it's like yes it is Hayes in the barn, man like we all saw it I and you know and again like and I don't want to like come down on Ole Miss fans
1: because I listen there I get having pride in your program and wanting to not ever settle for mediocrity and and I think that is one of the the biggest. Things fans should expect from their coach, from their athletic, from their program is not accepting mediocrity, but at the same time having a realistic sense of what this program has been. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. To, to, this this seemed like they were improving, and and yep. statistically, mm-hmm. and I just said, you know, I don't like numbers right now. Okay, had had too many numbers in my face the past couple of days, but I mean statistically, they had they had clearly improved. The the recruiting, like first off, they were able to finally recruit. I mean, listen, man, you could go into a kid's home. Tell them, you know, like you know, you don't have to sit here and be on be on probation anymore. I mean, it was it was kind of shocking to me that it happened so quickly because, again, who are you gonna get now? Who are you gonna get to come to Ole Miss? Unless it's Norvell, who are you gonna get to come to Ole Miss and be in that in the toughest division in all of college football?
0: That's the great question moving forward, and I think Ole Miss fans are excited to see. The people who have been saying they want Matt Luke gone, like he he served his purpose, whatever, he bridged the gap between the Hugh Freeze era. They want to see this job hit the market and they want to see what it looks like. There's that curiosity factor. I don't know if that factored into Keith Carter's decision. I imagine it probably did because this job has not been open since Hugh Freeze got the job eight years ago. So. The interesting thing that came out, the Clarion Ledger did a great story about this. They got a lot of really interesting quotes from players and stuff like that about what went down on Sunday night. They apparently had a meeting with Keith Carter, and it sounded like it went awful. You had yeah. players storming out of the meeting. Guys like Jerry and Ely that walked out. John Rice Plumley wasn't able to make it back to the meeting. He was still coming back from um, from his hometown. I think it was Hattiesburg, right? Hattiesburg, yeah. Yeah. So he was still coming back, but he had a meeting with Keith Carter later. The good news if you're an old fan, is John Rice Plumley actually said all the politically correct things about this and he said, Yeah. And know, then he, he played the piano. And then he played the piano. He played it darn well, man. That yeah, was good. Really. That was really good. Um, but so I think a lot of people are wondering internally, externally, everything who's going to take this job? Because there are a lot of different dominoes that feel like they have to fall. And it is. Yeah. Been a little bit slower than I thought in the coaching carousel. It has not moved as quickly as possible, and I think a lot of that relates to the fact that Mike Norvell and Lane Kiffin seem to be the two guys that keep coming up for these jobs. Both of them are playing in conference championships oh, this Kiffin weekend.
1: Kiffin cannot go to Oxford. Kiffin oh, cannot boy. go. to... Oh man. Um Well, I mean, well, I think Norvell seems like the obvious choice, and just just from a recruiting standpoint, and, you know, and like just a real quick to, to touch on like one last thing with the, the Luke thing, where I where I think the mindset is from the athletic director and the fans in the program is that if you have a guy that comes in, he's not getting the results you want, right? You're, you're coming off the heels of, of the most successful coach you've had there in quite some time, right? Outside of maybe Cutcliffe when he had Manning, they've never been a program that's been like since like the sixties. And then when, until Manning got there where they were like, knocking on the door of 9, 10 wins. for so, had more
0: extended success than Kupfer. Than right.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, having those like, back-to-back wins for the first time in program history against Bama and going to a Sugar Bowl, all that kind of stuff, the recruiting. But, like, I think their their mindset in this has to be something like, listen, we get that this guy is from, he's he's a like graduate of Ole Miss, he played at Ole Miss, he, he cares, he, he loves it. We caught lightning in a bottle from, like, a former high school coach, like, eight years ago. You know what I mean? Like, and, and look at the success we had with that. Like, we could find that again.
0: Yeah, so I think that's that. that
1: probably went into it. Because, I mean, it makes no sense with, like, the, the players in, pl- in place. Anyway, because they loved him. Um, I
0: think Norvell makes the most sense just because of all the ties to Memphis. Doesn't seem to want it, though. He, he yeah. seems, the, the all the reports and, and football scoop has been all over this. It feels like Mike Norvell is holding out for that Florida State job. And if he doesn't get it. He knows he has a raise that's coming his way where he's going to make north of – he's making, I think, about $2.5 bucks right now. He's going to get north of $3 million, probably closer to the $4 million range, given what he's done this year. At Memphis? At Memphis. At Memphis. Given what he is – they'll do whatever they can to try and keep him. And knowing that they'll probably put some sort of buyout in place, maybe structure a deal, kind of like what Minnesota did with P.J. Fleck, in that you'll kind of see in two years what that really looks like because that buyout number would come down. Um, it's going to be interesting, though, to see because I don't know if Norvell wants that job. And I think he's holding out for the Florida State job. That's what it seems like. But a couple of other people that I just want to throw out there as well, um, besides besides Lane and the obvious one. What about Tom Allen at Indiana? A guy who coached the linebackers at Ole Miss back in 2014 was Ooh. on Hugh Freeze's staff. Just had Indiana's best season in 26 years. Yeah, that's my alma mater. They good get on defense? They were, they were they were they were very solid on defense. Not not like dominant to the point where they were going to hold Ohio State back or something like that. No, no, no. But they were. I mean, to, to do to do that seriously though, like to do that at Indiana, yeah. A place that you don't get seven wins in the regular season. You just no. don't do it. You don't. Their have offense winning is great. Records. Yeah, their offense was tremendous. They actually went out and and paid for an offensive coordinator. Crazy concept, um, yeah. and it worked out big time. So he's a name that needs to be thrown out there. Great recruiting ties in South Florida as well. He's getting kids from Tampa to go to Indiana, which not an easy Gross. thing to do. Um, how dare you say that? Uh, Bill Clark, UAB. Don't sleep on the Blazers. Guy who resurrected a program. Literally yeah, resurrected literally. a program. And all, all they have done is win. He's playing against Lane Kiffin in the Conference USA Championship. So another That's a guy. a guy with
1: a lot of recruiting ties too because he has a, a very yep. good understanding. Because a lot of those guys for Ole Miss and Mississippi State especially, those guys – a lot of them are from Mississippi and Alabama. You know what I well, mean? Like they, Go
0: ahead. I was going to say, while Bill Clark is... Um, so, like, while... Because all of his recruiting ties are as, as a high school coach in Alabama. He mm-hmm. is the type of guy where... You know how Saban... Like, if Saban and Gus are spending all this time, you know, in Georgia and in Florida, there's going to be those guys who fall through the cracks. Yeah. Those type of guys would fall through the cracks to a guy like Bill Clark who would say, oh, yeah, like, I'll swoop in. I'll give you all the attention in the world. Right. You know, stud recruit in the state of Alabama and, you know, who's maybe not getting quite enough love from the big boys, and he would go and turn them into legitimate players. That's that's all I want to say about yeah, Bill Clark. I wish you'd name names, but anyway, moving on. I didn't have any names in mind. It just feels like that he'd be that type of guy. And then the other one that comes to mind, of course, is Mike Leach, who is going to be rumored for all. Three it's going to happen, right? It feels like it, doesn't it? And we had the fake report that came out. Uh, we had the fake report for, that lasted like two minutes, where people thought the Mike Leach to Ole Miss thing was real, and uh, people, so many people, got duped on that. It was actually real kind exciting. of funny to watch. Yeah. It was like watching somebody um, like walk off, like walk off the plank and not know that they're walking off the plank. Just one after another on, on Twitter, it was pretty great actually. Very good uh, pirate tire in there too. Oh yeah, I didn't even realize I did that. That was really good. Oh well, now
1: it's not as cool. Yeah.
0: Um, should we talk about other coaching searches? Yeah, let's of? do it. Okay. Let's do it. So Arkansas, I wanted to, I wanted to hit on that just because that yeah. was the, the more recent one, but right. Arkansas seems like it's focused on a big name right now. Um, seems like Hunter Juracek is going after the big boys, whether that's Kiffin, whether that's Leach. He has met with both of them, reportedly, and wants to make a big-time splash. I got roasted for saying that there were jobs in the SEC available that were better than Arkansas, a.k.a. the program that has won SEC win in the last three years. Oh, yeah, you
1: got to stop doing that. You should have learned that lesson last year when they did the whole basketball
0: the thing. The basketball thing, yeah. I tried to say. tell you. Those fans got after me in their mentions, though. Um So Arkansas feels like Arkansas and Mizzou feel like they're looking at very different things right now because Mizzou, this came out from Football Scoop, they're going after a bunch of group of five guys apparently: Will Healy from Charlotte, Willie Fritz from Tulane, uh, Jeff Monken from Army, Troy Calhoun from Air Force, Brian Harson from Boise State, and Skip Holtz from Louisiana Tech. And I cannot stress to you enough how much this excites me. Jim McElwain, return of the Mac. They are interested at Mizzou. Make this happen, please. Or don't. Or absolutely don't. No, 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 no. We root for This guy content. was faking death content. threats. He was
1: faking death threats at a Won't school that you. had all oh man, this is about they that in Mizzou. It Mizzou, but I heard, Mizzou I heard it is know. like trending there. I so so Kiffin to I saw I know I saw like the flight tracker because it's officially flight tracker season.
0: Oh yeah. Oh. And yeah. I well saw Kiffin like flew from Boca to Fayetteville. Like target, uh, he, I don't think he was flying there. I think the administration was was flying there. They usually meet okay. at a coach's respective school. It's usually not the other way around. Like Lane Kiffin's not taking time off during conference championship week uh, to sense, go yeah. interview for other jobs okay. in other places. Yeah. Um, the Mike Leach thing, I feel like,
1: like it obviously has legs because yep, he's apparently already interviewed or been contacted, maybe yep. not interviewed formally, but like he's he's been contacted and had like conversations uh, as
0: as late as or as early as like this this week, right? Yeah, no. That's that's been the report. Football Scoop had that had that out there as well. If you don't follow them, by the way, those those people do tremendous work over there. Yeah, they th- those great little nuggets that come out. If you're not following Football Scoop right now, this time of year, you should absolutely be doing it. It's a little bit better than trying to do your own reporting and come up with co- like flight tracker stuff. <laughs> as fun as that is, yeah, not worth it.
1: Don't ever I- try to accomplish things, guys, especially with <laughs> numbers involved. It's not very fun. You've seen this? Goodwill Hunting. It doesn't look. It's not as
0: cool as it looks. That's true. That's very true. Think about um, this scenario. What are the? Uh, this would be the, the best parlay in the world to hit from from our standpoint. As people like we're we're not fans necessarily of like these particular teams. You're a Bama fan. Like we 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 root for stuff that's going to be interesting. Whatever. Yeah. If we got McIlwain at Mizzou, Kiffin at Ole Miss, and Leach at Arkansas. The parlay of hitting all three oh of those God. and what that would mean for our jobs, I yeah we really have so much advantage. content. Ah, I I'm mean, here for
1: it. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I don't know about Mac Like, you're, I mean, you're right. You're not wrong about anything you said. I, 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 tell you what, and and I don't want to say this because I don't know enough about this guy personally or his coaching record or anything. He's obviously an outstanding job at, at a military service academy. I cannot. I, I don't think. Arkansas or Mizzou could afford to hire Jeff Monken from Army if he is going to run the same offense that he runs at Army at one of these schools. Like, like the like the perception of these two programs, like, right now, and, and like, it, it, they're they're not that far off, which is kind of sad to say because Arkansas has been really bad for a couple of years, and, and Mizzou is, you know, kind of flirted around, like, eight, eight nine months, what's up?
0: Is he a defensive-minded guy, though? He no might idea. be a def- he might be a defensive minded guy, and he would not necessarily run that offense. Right? Just because I mean, I would hope not, kid. because yeah. like that. So the whole point though is like if if that is right, if that comes along with it, that can't happen because that's just gonna ugh, ugh, ugh. People have been suggesting that for Arkansas though. That was like when that when the the job first came open, a lot of people were throwing out the idea there of why not just you know what, just get Paul Johnson. <laughs> Let's bring just run fadden back. Yeah, there we go. A little wild hog. I would love some wild hog. That'd be fun. So these three schools, we did this. We don't have to get
1: too far into it, but like Arkansas, Ole Miss, and in
0: Mizzou, how would you rank those schools in terms of uh, like? I think there are a lot of people looking at what happened on Sunday night at Ole Miss, saying all those players are going to leave, yeah, and therefore that makes Ole Miss an unattractive job. You also have to be in that division, really, really difficult. I tend to think that if you bring in the right person there, that's a that's a very reactionary. Very reactionary move from a lot of uh, a team that's super, super young. We've talked about that a lot this year. If you were to bring in the right person, I don't know if it's a mass exodus as people are predicting at Ole Miss. So I would tend to give Ole Miss the benefit of the doubt just because I do think that young talent is there and I think that they have a lot of options. I know they're going to lose some key pieces on defense this year, but still, I'd probably put Mizzou um right behind there at number two you're dealing with some sanctions some scholarship limitations because of this ncaa bowl ban let you're, you're dealing with limitations on official visits and stuff like that i don't know how much mizzou is going to be willing to spend based on the fact that they're looking at all those group of five options that tells me they're going to be a little bit on the lower end we've talked they about always the $10 million dollars that they're going to miss out on the buyout that they have to pay Barry on which isn't crazy or anything like that but it seems like they're going to be on the cheaper end so i don't know how attractive that makes it but you do have the 98 million dollar stadium renovation so that's obviously beneficial arkansas spent a ton of money upgrading its facilities but it's still a total gut job it's still a total gut job yeah a program that is one sec win in the last three years is not a place that a ton of, that everybody is all of a sudden going to line up and say yep sign me up for that i don't know if lane kiffin's going to want to do that i really don't maybe you will but i i, I really don't know if that's oh, going to be, the be so picks. great at all miss um So, honestly, and this might sound crazy because
1: you laid out a lot of good points, and especially with, like, the overhaul of what you have to do with, like, the the current talent in place at Arkansas, but I would almost have Arkansas first because from a standpoint of having the leniency of, you would assume, the leniency of your uh, athletic department and, and, like, your boss because we know how bad things have been for Arkansas. That's true. You would assume you're going to at least get, like, a couple of years to turn this around. You still have the recruiting ties to Arkansas and Texas, which is, like, usually a pretty fertile recruiting ground. And you don't have to be as close to, like, you know, states like Mississippi, Bama, uh, or Louisiana, and stuff like that, and, and have to fight for those recruits. I mean,
0: I, that's why I thought Chad Morris was going to be good there because he had all the inroads at Texas. But that's the thing, though, that I keep wondering about with Arkansas is, is we've made – that's been such a big deal in the past, like, oh, if you're going to be the Arkansas coach, you have to be able to recruit the state of Texas. Arkansas has been bad since Texas AM and came to the SEC. And that's kind of the quiet yeah. thing that I don't know – if we're looking 20 years from now and that's still the case, then that's significant because that has always been such a great resource for Arkansas. But if they're not going to be able to maximize that talent in that state – then all of a sudden that changes the game because you don't have that recruiting identity in the same way that you did. And it's going to be dependent on whatever coach is going to come in. But I just think that A&M factor with the the commitment that they have to Jimbo now, especially in the way that he's recruiting, I think it makes that job a little bit tougher than maybe we're giving him credit for. That's true. It's interesting too. And
1: I don't don't say this in a rude way, but it, it really is interesting to Hear your perspective on it versus mine, because like as somebody kind of newer to the SEC, yeah, like, yeah, because you come in like at at you're spot on with what you said. Like, Since I started garbage. this job they have won yeah, SEC win. it's I mean, Honestly, yeah. probably your fault, but I mean, like, like you know, <laughs> like they've been. Let's keep in mind, like, Ole Miss has never been to an SEC championship game. Yep, Arkansas has been to I think at, what, at least three or four, maybe three. Like, but like you know, within this last decade, they were ranked they were ranked in the top ten for you know multiple years. But I, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I would have Mizzou last either way, and I hate to say that because I like Mizzou and. All my friends from up there, and they're a great school, but I—that's going to be a nightmare.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting situation there. Um, don't know what exactly the future is going to hold in terms of, but you know, you do also have the fact that you get to play, you get to be in the East. You don't have to face Saban every single year. I don't know how much that factors. The recruitings,
1: into that. though, the recruiting is—I never thought I'd say this—but like the one state they have to compete with, Illinois.
0: Now they have Levy Smith up there,
1: and th- that—well,
0: he's yeah. recruiting well. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see see the way that this all shakes out. Who knows? Maybe we're going to have answers by this by the time we record. Probably not by the time we record Saturday night. I think we're going to get a lot more answers after conference championship weekend. It feels like all this stuff is going to come down on Sunday and Monday, and we'll get some clarity on that.
1: Let me say something right now, Connor. We've talked for 41 minutes about Matt Luke, coaching jobs at places that we don't really care about, I think, for the most part in the SEC. Not we personally, but I mean other people. And uh, and the college football playoff ranking. Mm Are you ready to talk about the SEC championship? Let's talk about the SEC championship. Georgia fans, it. LSU fans, are y'all ready to talk about this?
0: Let's do it. Let's do it. So, speaking I'm not of ready. coaches. Oh, you're not ready? You need That's a minute? It's a trap. Okay, it's a trap. Speaking of coaches, I was thinking about this earlier today. I think it's really interesting that these programs both made decisions in the middle of this decade to fire coaches who had been there for a long time. And they made hires that at the time... Somewhat criticized. I think it's fair to say. I think if you go back and you look at, you know, the criticism of the Kirby hire, somebody who had never been a head coach before, I was I was a part of that camp. I was wondering how yeah. he's was gonna handle a job like Georgia. And they made these moves that were very risky in hindsight. And all they have done is elevate their programs to the exact level that they hoped that they were going to get at. And I well I, Well I I think Georgia still though would, would take would say that this has been elevated. I think getting to a place right now where I, I have a stat in here there's gonna be a lot if if Georgia loses this game, there's gonna be a lot of people that are saying Kirby Smart, Mark Rick, the the, the side-by-side comps, all that. Here's here's something to remember about this. Kirby Smart is coaching in his 38th consecutive game as a top 10 team. That's amazing in itself. Mark Rick's longest streak in his entire time at Georgia was 18 games. Less than half of that. That's a season and a half. Kirby has done that for nearly three seasons, coaching as a top 10 team. That is a ridiculously good accomplishment. I don't like
1: any of the stats you're bringing up right now. And I, I'll go ahead and let you know right now, Georgia fans. Yeah, I am a little bit jaded at that stat because Bama just broke their 209 oh, yeah. straight. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Didn't even think of that. Football playoff. Um playoff. No, I mean, listen. And i tell you what. I've said this for a long time, and I said it like we're – Kind of tongue in cheek, but I meant it because you guys know I don't. I don't really give a blank about sportsmanship, and I, I want to win. Like I want to win. <laughs> I don't care about like like. Listen, there's. I love these feel good stories. I love Tom Rinaldi stuff, and, and I love, you know, people doing the right thing. Whatever. I love winning. I want to win because I tell you what. When you lose and you got to go face a stupid Facebook group of 3,400 people, that oh my <laughs> gosh, it is a nightmare. So, with the difference between this program now versus versus Rick, and a lot of those numbers, because like, they are similar, a lot of those numbers are because that first season, where everything that went wrong could have gone wrong. I mean, they, they went 7-5, and five. they lost like all of their rivals, like the Dobnell boot, they lost to Vandy, mm-hmm. the worst play call ever. The difference in this program now, versus the difference in this program then, is in year two of, of Rick's, what was that, 2001?
0: Didn't he, oh yeah, yeah. I, uh, that would have been two. It's either two thousand one or two thousand two. Did he? Yeah,
1: two thousand one. I think he started in two thousand because Donna was there in ninety nine. I think it was two thousand. Regardless, okay. They were good both those years. You had big, significant wins, like you, you know, the, the come from behind win against uh, against Tennessee up in Knoxville with the Hobnail Boot. But like in Kirby's second year, he took y'all on a run that you will never forget for the rest of your life. You went to the exactly. Rose Bowl. You went to Notre Dame. You had all these huge wins. You know. Georgia fans have always been one like they've they've always been a group that is going to second guess things because they they want to win now like they they want to I'm not saying this in a rude way they want to live the same same life and same fandom that their parents and grandparents have lived in the state of Georgia when, when Herschel was there and Vince and all, like all that kind of stuff they are so close to getting there and and the like, I tell you what I don't care if he loses this game on Saturday I would take Kirby Smart over Mark Richt any day of the week strictly because. Yep. I know that on Sunday morning, and this sounds bad, but on Sunday morning, I know that Mark Rick is going to have at least an hour and a half to two hours of his day spent being a good person and in church and being with family. I don't think, I don't know if Kirby's doing that Whoa. for on game week. And I'm not saying, it's not a bad thing. I'm just, I'm, I'm saying, like, he he is not distracted by anything. Like, this this is everything. He is just constant, never stopping. Like, he's relentless on recruiting, all that kind of stuff. Somebody's going to get really offended by what I said. It, yeah. I don't, I, and I don't <laughs> care. But, like. What when you have somebody comes in and Mark Creek's a great guy, but I want the guy that is screaming at his fans or his team saying like, "I want to eat, I want you to eat, I want, I want this to matter to you."
0: What's the quote that you always have about Georgia bands? Isn't it great to just not have to say your coach is a nice guy? I mean, isn't like, isn't it fun? Isn't it fun being in this club and winning? Like, yeah, like he's he's a great dude, man. But I just this is better. Three straight division championships. Regardless of what happens this weekend for Georgia, that is in place, and that is still an impressive feat, in my opinion. Coach O, on the other side, says he's not thinking about losing at all and whether or not LSU would have a playoff chance if they if they lost this game. I give what's him credit he, for, for, for saying about? that. He's thinking about revenge, as always. It's the year of Coach O's revenge tour. For real. Um, Jake Fromm versus Joe Burrow, this quarterback matchup. Let's, let's talk about this a little bit because I think that – on the surface, it's very easy to look at this situation and say, easily, Joe Burrow, hands down, advantage. Uh-oh. The year that he's had, the offense that he's in, 100% slam dunk. He's going to dominate the day. Jake Fromm doesn't have a prayer in this one. Couple, I, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that. A couple things, though, that are, that are worth remembering. Just worth remembering. Not saying that it's going to make Joe Burrow have a bad day or you know, Jake Fromm is all of a sudden going to look like the, the vastly superior quarterback. Not saying that's going to happen. Here's the good news for Jake Fromm. He gets to face LSU's defense and Joe Burrow gets to face George's defense. They're not facing the same defense. George's defense is going to be a different kind of challenge for Joe Burrow. I firmly believe that. I think that the way that they pursue, the way that they don't let quarterbacks scramble, they make quarterbacks very, very uncomfortable. First in the country, I didn't even realize this until I looked this up, first in the country in yards per completion as well, they're relentless, they don't miss tackles. The yak yards that LSU has had so much of, they they don't allow that. That is what they have done so well. Still, obviously, a huge, huge challenge for Georgia to be able to slow down this offense. Jake Fromm has big, in terms of, the, so I looked at this metric in the beginning of the year and compared it to a lot of God. the elite quarterbacks. Yeah. The, you know, even like guys like Ian Book, and Jalen Hurts. I was throwing this number out there because I was curious. Conference championships and New Year's Six bowls combined. Oh, their numbers. The numbers of those.
1: Look at air high five. I did the same air thing,
0: man. Boom. I actually I didn't do the Sugar Bowl, but go ahead. Jake Fromm has played in five of these games now. Five of these games. That is a lot. That is a lot. This will be his 6-1. Joe Burrow has played in one of these. That game everybody remembers last year, great moment in the Fiesta Bowl where he gets the absolute decleter on the pick six, and yeah. then he storms back, and he's a machine. Maybe that was the, the moment like the Henry Rowan Garner and Rookie of the Year where he okay. steps on the ball and turns into a great pitcher. Maybe that was that moment for Joe Burrow. I don't know. But I like the fact that if I'm Georgia, I have a guy who's been here before, He's yeah. been the underdog before. We were saying this about him last year coming into this game where it looked like Tua was in the better offense. It looked like Tua was in the more favorable situation. And Jake Fromm played, outplayed Tua for the entire time that he was out there. Obviously, right. different he set did. of circumstances. Different set of circumstances that we're dealing with here because of the offense, because of the playmakers that Jake Fromm does not have at his disposal. Different. But I just think that's worth remembering because if we're in a situation where it is the third or fourth quarter and it's a locked-in locked game, we're gonna have this realization of like, oh yeah, Jake Fromm's been doing this for a while now. Just wanted to throw that out there.
1: Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, there's a lot of good points you made under the umbrella of a bad point being made. <laughs> um, and, and, and listen, and like, I want to go back to one thing. The Rick thing that was supposed to be a compliment, Georgia fans, because I know a lot of you have been coming at me this week about how I'm not nice to Georgia, and and I'm like, that is that is that was supposed to all be a compliment. I love where the program headed. Now listen, the Fromm stuff. I, dude, I've, I've tried. I've tried my best. I, I spent hours researching, just and, and honestly, not even in my most objective way, like trying to kind of like figure out a way to build a narrative of, of why I think like Jake Fromm can do this and why I think Georgia can do this. Uh, Jake Fromm has been incredible in the SEC Championship game. He's completing like 67% of his passes, um, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Those the last two uh, seasons combined. Um, you talked about him being in five of those games. Kirby Smart has been on the sidelines for an SEC championship game in seven of the last eleven years.
0: That's a great stat.
1: It's a, that's I mean, a really good stat. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. Um, he's six and two as an underdog as well, and and I love all that. And and I know I know what we saw last year firsthand against a team that I thought was the greatest team of all time, and there was no way we were going to lose to him. And and then you know just as the game went on, Fromm just kept making play after play after play. I don't know how that happens. I just, I don't. And and, and I'm like, it's not just from, from the stats that we're looking up. It's like, I, here's the thing. Georgia is going to have to play from behind in this game, most likely. You get the feeling, yeah. yeah. And they haven't really had to do that a lot, you know, in, recently, to be honest, because they've been so dominant. And what worries me is if they get behind early, like Bama did, you know, because and, and, I think there's there's teams that, well, they're not built similarly at all, but like... In a big game, big moment like that, if they get behind early, I worry about Fromm having because it's not. I don't worry about Fromm putting the team on his back and and you know being responsible for trying to like bring them back to victory. I worry about all those receivers and the tight ends and and like everyone else around him making plays because I feel like he'll step up. For the most part, his numbers have been
0: pretty bad lately. I think that it's worth remembering too about the the stat that you threw out there. Georgia is very used to playing ahead, and you know their defense has put them in positions to be able to do that. When you have a defense that's 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 that lights out, yeah. that's going to be a benefit for you. I think that if you are trying to sit here and break down who is going to be better at handing some sort of in game adversity, let's say LSU gets thrown behind fourteen to nothing behind the ropes, something like that, or Georgia, you know, loses a a, a top weapon. It feels like LSU's margin for error, and I realize they don't have a whole lot of top-heads right. left. DeAndre Swift is banged up. George Pickens is going to miss the first half in this one. Don't know his full status on this game just yet if he's going to be playing at all. But we, all, we already know about the injury to Lawrence Cager. If you're LSU, you are so much more prepared to handle adverse situations. If you're in a situation where all of a sudden the passing game can't get going... Guess what? you got oh, a team. game against a really good defense that you can hark back on. The, LC, the LSU-Auburn game where they just decided, you know what, in the second half, we're going to run the ball with Clyde edwards E'Laire. Yeah. they are taking away everything in our passing game. All right, we'll run the ball. We have, a, we have, in my opinion, the guy who's been the best running back in the SEC all year in Clyde edwards E'Laire. and you can turn the ball over to him and say, go win us a football game. You trust your offensive line to be able to do that. Georgia, it feels like the game has to go one specific way in yep. order for them to win. It feels like Jake Fromm is going to have to play the game of his life. And I'm not saying that can't happen. But I'm saying if, if, if I'm trying to sit here and break down what are the more likely scenarios, more of them are going to be in favor of LSU because I, can't, I, I still can't get the, the image of Jake Fromm struggling to trust these receivers out of my mind. And going against that secondary with Stingley, with Fulton, with Stevens, with Delpit, these guys who are going to be one-on-one coverage— Dominique Blaylock on the outside, maybe maybe we're talking about Charlie Warner, Eli Wolf, something up the seam, and it's, it's safety's got to make a play on them or whatever it is. Is Jake Fromm going to be willing to trust those guys? Is he going to say Demetrius Robertson, I'm going to trust you to go burn this guy on the outside? Well, I'm going to are, throw and are they
1: going to gonna get out and make a play? Are they going to yeah, get yeah.
0: like are they going to get off the coverage? Are they
1: going to not get jammed to the line? Are they going to like make some separation? Mm-hmm. Are you going to do your job? And, and like, I'm sorry for getting all, like, fired up about it, but it, it's frustrating to watch because, listen, I don't think Fromm is, is as great as I thought he was going into the season. He's still a great quarterback in the SEC, and, and and he's he's one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, right? I cannot get over, and I made this comment about, like, how many more excuses are we going to have for, like, the, the games in the rain. He's had four straight games where he's completed under 50% of his passes. That's I mean, I don't know, I don't know how you do that. Like, it, you think about the game against Auburn, where he has the big touchdown early. On the, the deep ball, was it a flea flicker or was it just a deep ball? It was just a deep ball. Okay. To to Blaylock? I don't I mean I don't know. Because he yeah, was wasn't streaking free, but um regardless, he only ended up with like 115 or 110 yards passing that game. And and like LSU's defense, I have been at the at the forefront of of the hype train about how they're not that great. And I have walked back some of those comments um recently because you know, they looked good late against AM, and I get all that kind of stuff. They, they have the talent, but T Bob Abrior brought this up this morning on, on SC this morning. This If there's ever a game where you just play just cover zero or cover one, and you just have, you bump at the line, you jam the receivers at the line because you don't think they're going to be able to get open and stack the box and stop the run, because like you said earlier, Georgia, I worry about them getting behind way more than LSU or, or them being like, you know, giving up points early than I do LSU not scoring early because. The, the entire identity of this, this Georgia team is that defense. Yep. And I wonder how they're going to be able to overcome that. And, and man, like, yeah, I,
0: ugh, how it's going to be tough. How do you defend Joe Burrow in this game? Because that's going to be the big question that Kirby Smart is going to have to answer. And I think that based on what we've seen this year, if you're just going to try and load the box or send pressure and send seven, eight guys – that's a recipe for disaster. These receivers are too good. Joe Burrow is too smart to know where his his free running wideout, his go-to target is going to be. He can pick a part a blitz and he can make you pay for it. A lot of quarterbacks that strategy would work. I don't think it Tua. would work for Joe Burrow. It would work for Tua. It would probably work for yeah. Tua. That's a good point. I think the just the processing that he does kind of separates him and that's why a lot of people are really looking at him on the next level and thinking this guy's yeah. future number 1 overall pick. You yeah. go ahead. I think that Right now, if you're, if you're Georgia, you're hoping and praying. You're like, all right, you know what we need? We need guys like Clark. We need guys like Jermaine Johnson. We need these guys, Monty Rice. We need these guys in the front seven to just be relentless and yep. not allow those situations where it's going to happen, too. Those situations where you're like, all right, Joe Burrow doesn't have an option. His first read's not there. His second read's not there. He's got to move up in the pocket. He's got to be able to move around, make something happen you've got to hope that your guys get home in those spots. Those those are the coverage sacks that you need to be able to get. If yeah. you're that Georgia defense, you've got to trust that you're going to be able to get that pressure without necessarily bringing extra heat you know, at the line of scrimmage because that's how I think you beat Joe Burrow in this matchup, and that's how you prevent this LSU passing offense from getting going. Much easier said than done, but I still wouldn't rule it out. I think Tyler Clark is... One of the, is the guy that has to have the monster game on def, on defense for Georgia. I mean, yeah, I, I like all that. I mean, because I, I think it's it's,
1: and I don't want to compare him as quarterbacks, obviously, because they're totally different. But it, it reminds me of how like people try to game plan against Cam Newton, like that 2010 Iron Bowl game where mm-hmm. it was like they didn't blitz upfield, they didn't get upfield, and where he could just you know evade the pass rush and, and run. They they stayed in front of him the whole time. They kept him in front, and. I wonder if that's the the move here with with Joe Burrow because and he's not Cam Newton. I get that, like from a physical standpoint, he's not the same kind of runner. But at the same time, I, I brought this up repeatedly after that game against Bama. He seemed like he was under pressure, but at the same time, was never under pressure. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. And he, he's so good on that. And and it's stuff like like Georgia's strength as a defense. Obviously, they're great at stopping the run. They haven't given up over 100 yards rushing in the last five games. Right? They they've been fantastic. Um, being able, like I brought this up at the the game a couple weeks ago, I said, you know, his first down passing is like, that's where you have to stop Joe Burrow, because I think in going into November, he at 80% of his, his total passing yards were on first down. Now it's 65%. And then you talk about getting in the red zone, the, the biggest thing George is going to have to do in this game is field position and, and keep if they can keep LSU's offense off the field. I think that's a good move. I mean, they don't really need to be on the field that long to score points. That's the issue. But at the same time, they are going to have to get turnovers. They are Georgia is last in the SEC in, in interceptions this year with with six. And you talk about like their best stat on defense, in my opinion, besides the rushing defense, their best stat, the red zone. They are so stingy in the red zone. They are they are incredible in the red zone. Like I think they're they're. That and third down conversions—they only give up 28 percent of third down conversions, right? To opponents in the red zone, they only only—they've only allowed 14 um, scores, eight touchdowns and six uh, six field goals in 21 trips. They've only had 21 trips into Jeez. the red zone. You know what Joe Burrow's numbers are in the red zone? Darn good. 71% completion percentage, 25 touchdowns, zero interceptions. And what worries me when I say the thing about the running, this is this is the stat I think is most important where it gets so frustrating because you have got to get off the field on third down. Guys like Kirby, guys like 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 Grantham, Saban, like that is their staple. Like third down, you have got to get off the field, especially if it's third and long. There is not a more frustrating thing in the world than converting like a third down on a run or like a broken player or anything like that. Joe Burrow. His legs, being able to run for the first down. We've seen it, we saw it at the game at Auburn. Yep. We were in Baton Rouge. He has twenty-four rush attempts on third down this year. Fourteen. Oh, 14. fourteen. Uh fourteen have gone for first down, but That's good. the ones between one and six yards, like the like the short yard situations, he's converting uh what is it? I'm sorry. He's converting 75% of those into first downs. Is Kirby gonna spy him? I you wonder. Because I mean, they have the athletes to do it. They absolutely do. Trey and Crowder. Like I said,
0: they have guys who, who can take up space at, on that defensive line and, and kind of allow you to maybe do something like that. Yeah. Wouldn't it be incredibly surprising? You know what would be really dumb? If Joe Burrow has a bad game, let's just say it's uncharacteristic. Oh cost of the Heisman. Game. And Justin Fields has a good game. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, all right, Justin Fields wins the Heisman. That should not happen.
1: Man, no, I don't happen. think it will. I don't it think it will happen. I, I tell you what, I can easily see that that will happen on Fox, like on, on their oh, broadcast. Yeah, yeah, it will. Um, yeah, it will. Because if you talk to, if you listen to that, they have like three fi- like finalists for
0: from Ohio State, and they have three really good players it's, there. I mean, they probably have three of the top six vote getters in the Heisman. J.K. Dobbins had an unbelievable weekend Jake, at Michigan. Yeah, yeah. But
1: see, but but like, and he's been good all year. But in the same sense, like if 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 we're voting for J.K. Dobbins because what he did against Michigan, not over what, what Chuba, what's his name, is done at uh, Chuba State. Yeah, yeah, Chuba Hubbard, like all season, that would be frustrating. And and like, we're not gonna get into the Heisman talk because last year I got so bit out of shape over how it's like it's such a what have you done for me lately. Yeah. And this is this is very rare when you think about it. Like to have somebody come in because you talk about the September Heisman thing all the time, or I talk about it all the time. Where by the time you get to November, that person's usually out of it. And this guy is like led from start to finish. Like I think week two, his his odds dropped from two hundred to one to five to one. Yep. And it, he's he's had an incredible year. I, I think I listen. I, there's you know how big I am with like the Vegas stuff. So I think that's the most important uh, teller of a lot of a lot of things that happen in these games. There's been several books in Vegas that have taken the
0: odds off the board. I'm glad you brought that up because I yeah. was going to if you didn't. And I think that's very indicative of just how good Joe Burrow has been. And if everybody is going to be swayed by one weekend performance. Give me a break, man. That, that yeah. should not happen. The, the hay is in the barn, in my opinion, with that one. I'd be very, very surprised if Joe Burrow did not win the Heisman Trophy. It'd be nice, though, if it does happen that he's at least playing a good defense. He's not playing in the Big 12 all season. Shots fired. <laughs> Never forget. Let's do some over-unders. we got several over-unders to get to. We're going to do our picks at the end. We'll do our picks. We'll pick this game against the spread. But I've got a few over-unders that I want to throw at you. Some serious, some not so serious. Clyde Edwards-Hillier yards from scrimmage. Keep in mind, this is against a Georgia Ooh. defense that has not allowed a touchdown, a rushing touchdown to a running back this year. The one rushing touchdown they allowed was to Bo Nix. I set the over/under at yards from scrimmage at 100. Uh, I'm gonna say yard total yards. Total yards from scrimmage. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say over, because they're gonna use him in the passing game too. He has averaged 150 yards against the likes of Bama, Texas, Auburn, and Florida. Dude, well, only two of those big. are
1: only good defenses. So, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, I mean, like, no, I, that's uh, they're gonna have to get him going. I think in the passing game. And he had a what was his what were his numbers against?
0: Was it Arkansas,
1: A and M, where he had like four catches for like 60 something yards?
0: Yeah, he has been uh, a key factor in the passing game as well. He'll do it all for that team. DeAndre Swift touches. DeAndre Swift's shoulder a little bit banged up. Kirby has been saying all week he's going to be good to go. Very interested to see this because this could depend on game flow. And I said touches, not just carries. But I set the over-under at 18. Uh, over. Over. You think they're going to rely on him that much?
1: Dude, this is this is the SEC Championship game. You need to get to the college football playoff. And, like, I, I, I don't think it's – like, this is not to try to, like, throw salt in the wound from last year. But, like, I don't think Kirby's forgotten how – painful that that fake punt decision was they were so close ride your effing horses and get to the playoff and when you look at swift swift had let's see here 23 touches in uh i'm sorry hold on he had 22 touches last year in this game yeah in this game um I just I feel like he's such a weapon in the passing game. They're not going to need to have him go between the tackles as much, but he I mean, he broke out on the scene like like his first big moment was against Auburn in the SEC Championship game 2 years ago.
0: He was so good in that game. He was and
1: so good. If there's one if there's one thing that that George's offense is anemic as it's been at times that they can take advantage of on LSU's defense is is the big play. They've been vulnerable
0: to the big play. And if if you can get him in space, I think that's what you got to do. I would have if he had been 100 percent healthy or as healthy as you he can be going into this game. I probably would have set the over under something like 22. Yeah, but because of the shoulder thing, I wonder if it's going to be more of a rotation with Brian Harry and gets try and get Zamir White involved as well. Who knows? Maybe I Zemir like that White, too. Maybe Zamir White's going to have a DeAndre Swift 2017 game in this one, and all of a sudden we're going to be talking about Zeus and you know, yeah. on, his great future that's ahead. Gary Danielson saying Alabama oh my God. in any way, shape, or form. So a Saban reference that counts as well. I set the over under at three.
1: Oh, my. Um, yeah, over. <laughs> over. I just, I, there's, you know, that last week the Iron Bowl showed, like, why it's just, like, the most heated and worst, or best rivalry because everyone's, like, everyone just hates each other so much. And the one thing that, that they had, in, like, both sides had in common, and honestly, fans everywhere, is how much they hate Gary Danielson.
0: His approval rating has gone down a lot this year. Real a bad. A lot. And Real it, it, bad. And like I said, I've defended him sometimes in the past, but even he has been so bad that I have wanted to rant against him. Like Jimmy like he's Carter smart.
1: Of, of commentators.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't hate that comp. I don't hate that comp one bit. That's pretty good. How many mentions of last year's game in Baton Rouge are we going to get? The game in which LSU dominated. Dominated. I set the over-under at 2.5.
1: I would say over... And, and I want to ask your opinion on this because do, how much do you think what we saw last year in that game is going to
0: factor in or even matters to this year? I don't think, even if LSU dominates this game, I won't look back and be like, oh, yep, they dominated last year, they dominated this year, because the offense is just so different on both sides of the ball. I mean, it's a different play caller on the Georgia yeah. side as well with James Coley, and you don't have even the same weapons on the outside in this game. And LSU, everybody knows about the Joe Brady impact and all that. And it's also a neutral side compared to playing at Death Valley. I said the Joe Brady impact. Who's that? Uh, a guy that's done a couple things in Baton Rouge that Texas wants Pretty badly. And thinks that it's just going to be able to walk in there and just pay him a bunch of money. He gets so fired up Texas. Uh, It fires me up because it's the arrogance of Texas. It's not that... Okay, obviously, everybody in the country should want to go after Joe Brady. I get that. It's Texas coming out and saying they think they can buy him. Like,
1: yeah, what? I don't what? think so,
0: mister. Goodness gracious, Texas. Pretty woman over here. Stupid Bevo. Winning Dr. Pepper chest passes converted. That means just on the winning side. So the person who wins... The the very famous Dr Pepper yeah. challenge at halftime. I set the over under at fourteen. That's just for the winning side. I don't. How many seconds or passes do they get? I think they get a minute. It always they, feels a long. minute. I think they get a minute. Don't they? How does? What? How do they lose? Like, well, they're I, going I would somebody.
1: say, I would say
0: under. I feel like I've never seen it that high. I looked up a couple and saw one at 13. I think I saw one at 16. I could be wrong Of on that. course you looked that up. There,
1: hold on. There's no way they get a full <laughs> minute because there's not a single person that's ever been in good enough shape to even do chess passes with a, a half-inflated football for a minute straight. There's a really
0: good story about somebody who they, um, they won the, the challenge to be able to do this. And they said they did a news story on this person, the person who won. They're like, yeah, she had had never thrown a football in her life until she found out she was doing this, and it showed. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> unreal. Um, LSU total points. I set the over under at thirty five. I okay. So this is this
1: is like the thing that I, I like. The research that I did because I looked at common opponents, looked at some other stuff. This is where I was like most alarmed. Is, shuffling, let's go. Hey, let's, let's do, do this. So, against top 40 teams, right, or top 40 total defenses, right? So, like, the best four teams that, that LSU played, mm-hmm. and or defenses they played. Florida, who's the 10th best total defense in the country. Auburn, 21st. Bama, 17th somehow. And then A&M, who's 32nd, right? And a couple of those are obviously common opponents. A&M, Georgia wins by six. They struggle on offense. They, they, they have 260 yards. Uh, Auburn, they have 251 yards. That's it. Um I, and in Florida they have 398 but like so they've had one game in the past 7 uh that are over four, they've had over 400 yards of offense and that's against Georgia Tech. That's this, this is Georgia, right? You look at LSU. LSU has put up over 500 yards of offense in 10 of 12 games. They have put up 40 points or more. In ten of twelve games, Joe Burrow Against three those, touchdown passes in ten of twelve games. That's ridiculous. Yeah. In in the four, in the four games that I just said, or four teams they played that I just mentioned, they've averaged five hundred and thirty-three yards per game on offense and forty point three points per game. Yowza! They're going to go over.
0: Do we have a final score prediction? I, you I, you I had first. Georgia. I had Georgia total points, the over under that I was thinking about. And I think the over-under for Georgia total points in this one should be something like 24? Is that fair? 25? Yeah. I think so. My prediction for this game... I'm, I'm going to hedge a little bit. I'm oh, going to hedge God. a little bit. Georgia's going to cover that seven-point spread. And they're going to keep it a little bit closer than some expect. But I think LSU wins this game 28-24. 20 to 24. And maybe it's one of those where... LSU is up, you know, 28 to, to 14 or something like that late. And they've got it. You know, they, they all of a sudden kind of, you know, they get off to a great start offensively, but they kind of, you know, take their foot off the gas down the stretch in this one. Yeah, Georgia sort of climbs back. Maybe it doesn't feel quite like a four-point game. You think LSU's
1: going to take their foot off the gas?
0: Maybe, Maybe a little bit offensively. A little bit offensively. And maybe not take the foot off the gas is the right way to say it. On the scoreboard, it looks like it. But maybe Georgia figures things out. Kirby makes some adjustments at halftime, and you know they get smacked in the face early. And, and yeah. LSU does something like they score 14 points, like off the you know in, in the first like eight minutes of this game. And we're like, all right, LSU route. Yeah. This is going to be ugly. And then Georgia just kind of quietly hangs around. But I think LSU ultimately wins this game. So I, I mentioned earlier how much
1: I, I, I respect I have for whatever the numbers of Vegas comes out with. And I do all these like research and these deep dives and stats and all that kind of stuff and 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 I'm not saying this to be rude, and I'm sure I've overlooked something, but everything I'm looking at it's it seems like lsu should should blow out Georgia. You look at the common opponents, you look at what happened last year. you look at what, what lSU's done all season long to people and you know how how does Georgia score? How does Georgia score? i mean they have they haven't been able to do it like all season they they've had They've had three games all year where they have scored. I'm sorry, four all year where they've scored over 30 points. One of those was against Arkansas State. I'm not. I'm not including uh, Murray State. One was against Arkansas State. One was against uh, Georgia Tech. I, they, they just, for whatever reason, as of late, they have not looked good. They just have not looked good. And, and they've, they've played against teams like Mizzou and, and Kentucky and. And, and other teams like, like tech that have pretty bad offenses and bad defenses. So the times they do kind of burst out, it's it's against like inferior opponents. But Vegas knows something. If you're gonna open this line at six points after everyone in the country's been talking about LSU is the best team in the country, or you know, they're gonna win by t- like two touchdowns with like everyone that we've talked to. I don't even know how it's close. Vegas knows something. Vegas knows something. I'm going to say this game will be close until the third quarter and someone will have a a a turnover for for Georgia um in like their own territory. They'll make some mistake after playing very very close for the entire first, I don't know, 40 minutes. I think LSU will score and they will they will cover the uh the spread. They're going to win 38 to 30. 38 to 30. Okay. Yeah. George scoring that much. The over is hit in 7 of the last 8 games between these two teams. Okay. okay. And but in again though, Orgeron is 8 and 2 against the top 10 teams. That's darn good, man.
0: That is darn good. They're going to be fired up. They're not going to lack motivation. I think that question should be out the door. Uh, I don't if there's anybody that's wondering about that, I would I would tend to think that this LSU team, the way that they're built, I would not worry about that. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm excited to see SEC championship has just been fantastic. It's it's been it's been awesome yeah. the last. I mean, last year was great. I guess two years ago wasn't as good with Georgia and Auburn turned into a little bit of a laugher, but I, it was a great it was, day. So good last year, but a lot a lot of fun. All right, fourth and wrong. We've got a lot here. We, are we doing to all? Take seven? them out. No. We, well, you you choose. Okay. Let's. Uh, I'm gonna take out. Um, I'm going to take out. Let's let's start with this this first one. And I'm going to say, let me preface this with this first one. If you are a parent right now and you are in the car with your kids, make sure you pause it. Pause it right now because we're about to talk about everybody's favorite person, Mr. Santa Claus. So just pause it. Hit the pause button. We're going to give you a brief second. They got it. All right. You're
1: good? All right. First question. Let's do it. First question, why are you letting your kids listen to this podcast? <laughs> um, all right, first question. At, this is from Cole Malone. At what age do you tell your kids Santa Claus isn't real? An actual argument my wife and I had.
0: I think that the age has to be second or third grade. It depends. It depends on, because when you when you get to that age, kids start talking. Yeah. And they actually kind of have opinions. They actually start talking a lot earlier than that. Well, like they can start actually formulating sen- sentences yeah. better than I can at least. And they'll, they'll talk amongst each other. And they're probably going to find out from one of their friends. So if I were you, I remember my parents sat me down and I got the full deal. I mean, Easter Bunny, not real. Santa Claus, not real. I was like, it was you could have knocked me over with a feather. I, I was devastated. But it was second grade. I still remember. I still remember sitting on my parents' bed finding this information out. And it changed me. And then all of a sudden after that you're like, All right, we're good. We can kinda move on. We don't have to create this facade. But I think second grade is right around that time. I remember like weirdly trying to cling
1: on to like rebelieving in Santa. Ooh. Because I like like, like not in a weird way, but I had like Grew up with like a single parent, and so then I was like trying to like make up for the lost time with the other parent, and so I was like, "I believe in Santa," and he was like, "All right, no, you don't. You're like 11." Because <laughs> um, I knew from like a pretty early, early time, I was like, "There's just no way this is real." There's, I mean, oh, like, really? I, Yeah, I was like five or six. I remember my mom like when I was like really young. I, I remember one time having like a meltdown when like because I was just being a brat, and she was like, "I'll call Santa right now." I was like, "You don't have Santa's number." Yeah, and she was like, yeah. "Every mom has Santa's number." And yeah, I was like, soup. she was yeah, she's a boss, man." Um, real quick, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead. You're good. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I, I honestly, I don't know the right age to tell him that it's not real because it's a weird thing if you're like, by the way, because you don't want to look stupid. You don't want to be 11 years old wearing wearing cargo shorts or, or have corduroys. That. I mean, like, nope. I believe in Santa. Like, yeah, I mean, you're never gonna you're never gonna have friends in life. Um, that's that's rough. But at the same time, now everyone like, especially with how like quick we are to ruin everything for anyone like especially with social media like i, I don't know i mean i, I wonder like what's like the latest you can even make
0: it to at this age is i don't know that's a good question that's a really good question i didn't want to ruin it for anybody um like i just said before yeah. that's why we had pause um i i think it's i think it's got to be ruined pretty early on i would tend to think that yeah remember remember how i told you i have that aunt who every christmas oh tries to tell the story about the the conception of my you brother to try to forget it yeah yeah, so she up until I was at least twenty six or twenty seven, married at that point, six years out of college, um, tried to tell me about Santa Claus and was still like trying to talk. I'm like, why? That's like, what's weird. what's even yeah. the point? Do do you not understand how this works? Like, yeah, we're we're going on two decades now, a full two decades of me knowing this. You can you can cut the crap, all right.
1: Let's move on to the next question, because I'm uncomfortable (laughs) talking about your aunt again. Um, What's your most embarrassing memory from Dakota
0: Carter? I think I've told this story before. Oh, boy. I was in first grade. Sitting there, you know, like first graders do, just picking my nose. Just picking my nose. I was in the middle of class. I was trying to to hide it. You know, I had, like, the hand up, doing like this. You can see what I'm doing on FaceTime right now. What I had my hand up, locking my face, but I was still picking. So, girl that I had a crush on in first grade. She's in the corner of the room. She calls me out in front of the whole class. Oh, I Connor, see. Connor shakes her head at me. That sink in the stomach feeling is one that I'll never forget. Because right then and there, I'm like, nope, no chance, no chance. Went to school with her for 12 years. yeah. No. Well, chance. you were in first
1: grade, Connor, so it wasn't like there was like a blossoming romance, but yeah, you ruined it for sure. I ruined it
0: big time. Yeah. Really embarrassing. Tough to walk that one back.
1: Um, man, most embarrassing story? There's so many. I don't know which one's I'm allowed to tell. There's some good ones. I'll I'll tell I'll save my most embarrassing one for this Friday when we all go out and get some drinks this weekend. There we go. Um I I will I will say I and I usually close with this uh on in my comedy set. Because it's a real story that happened, and I'll, I'll keep it PG as possible. But basically, um, like, I was talking to someone that I had dated. They had sent me some texts that were inappropriate, and I um, responded with, like, mmm, just a series of M's, like Campbell's Soup. And my phone autocorrected to Mbop and then we never spoke again.
0: <laughs> that's somehow better yeah though.
1: there was uh, actually you know what there was, there was my favorite one this is uh, this girl Brittany Wynn this is like the, the biggest crush I ever had in high school Brittany Wynn she was like I was like in love with this girl right and we like flirted back and forth but there was always I would always just do something stupid like she'd be like you wanna get lunch I'm like I love you or like something <laughs> weird and so we like i she went to Clemson i was like down at Georgia College and she like randomly sent me this text we started like texting back and forth and i was like what this is like before i thought i was cool so i was like what is happening like wh- how is this happening right now and this is like way back in the day with like T9 predictive text oh, yeah. yep so we're joking back and forth and she sent me something and i was like yeah touche and it spelled i sp- i spelled it wrong so it said touchy like t o u c h e y oh and so then I tried to correct it by like like typing it again, but I didn't make any adjustment. I just said the same exact word, so it just said touchy-touchy. And I swear to God, we didn't speak for two years.
0: Goodness. Yeah. All for that? She wasn't willing to forgive that? That's not I that mean, bad.
1: I, I, I didn't have a lot going for me. I was wearing jean shorts and stuff. Um, all right. Third question. What uh, One of your biggest fears that not a lot of people know about, Jamie Spence.
0: Riding motorcycles. I call them death traps. Okay. Also, not a big trampoline. Uh, the trampolines with the, the the fences on the outside of them, also death traps. My friend ruptured his spleen on one of those one time. Like saw saw how he did it. That could have been me. That could easily been me. I don't want to rupture Jeez. my spleen. Yeah, motorcycles too. Death traps. Nuh-uh. hard pass. Um, biggest fears not people know about. I feel like everyone probably knows
1: this one, but uh, like. Not being liked, I think that'd probably be a big one for oh, me. Or, or just, like, dying alone. That'd probably be the worst. Oh, um, man. Yeah, was that, that was too much? That was too much. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I'm kidding about the last one. But no, like, like not not like a, I don't know, like, people not caring about me, maybe? I, I think, and snakes. Snakes are the worst. Snakes creep me out because they move without legs. And I don't, and they smell no, with their tongues. Bad. They're no. not that bad? No, we see them in Florida. They're not that bad. Okay, Cool. Well, gardens. Yeah, Florida seems like a safe place. It is. They move without legs. That's pretty boss. I don't know. I, and I hate. I absolutely hate. When people are like they're just as scared of you as, as you are of them. Like no, they're not. Not true. Not no, true. No, they're not. I, <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you, a snake has never peed his pants at like a fourth grade Cub Scout retreat. Like I just not that I did. But I'm telling you, Jeff with with a G. He he definitely did. Um, all right, fourth question: favorite and
0: least favorite Christmas song least from Jonathan Hosebus. Yeah, least favorite's obvious. It's anything Alvin and the Chipmunks related. Oh yeah. You, if you put that on and that's your way of jamming at Christmas music, I, I'm sorry. Bing Crosby is he it, like is he just not available for you? Like what's Ooh. what's the deal? Are we not are we not going there? Like I, Bing Crosby? Yeah, way more than um, way more than that. That is pretty obnoxious, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just the worst. But um, you know, chestnuts roasting by an open fire. It's um, like homeless people stuff, dude. I don't, I've never understood that in my life. Also
1: guaranteed that like like sixty percent of our audience and and me for sure could have been a famous singer in the forties.
0: Oh yeah, that's fair. That's do, totally fair. Do, do, do. Done. Okay, we've we've agreed on this before though. Mariah Carey, "All I Want for Christmas oh, Is no. You." Banger.
1: Oh yeah, that's it's an incredible yeah, song. Bang. Yeah, um, yeah, it's top All-time three for hit. sure.
0: But for yeah. me, it's uh, Bruce
1: Springsteen, "Santa Claus is Coming to Town." That's pretty good, too. That's yeah, that's, good. that's my favorite. My least favorite is the uh, Hawaiian one. Like, manika, Yeah. Yeah, That's the worst. Shots fired at Tua. Yeah, I should have said that. Sorry, Tua. All right, last but not least, what advice can you give, can you guys give me on
0: proposing from Austin Foster? Don't do it. Kidding. No, do it. Definitely. Austin, do it. Um, this is like the, the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. Oh, I'm no. the angel. <laughs> I would say try and keep it simple. Don't overthink it. Yeah, everybody wants it to be like some sort of not everybody, but a lot of people get caught into thinking it needs to be some big spectacle. Just got to be special. It's got to be it's got to have some sentimental value. If you want to keep it simple, do it at a restaurant. Like, I guess that's fine. I tend to think in the comfort of, you know, your own company is a little bit better a place that's a little bit more private, just something, a night that's, that seems meaningful and a place that's meaningful to you. Yeah. Those are going to be, that's what people are going to remember. It's not necessarily going to be like, oh, did I propose to her like at this concert? Or like, okay, well, the one thing you don't do, don't do it at a sporting event. Do not, oh, man, do not do it at a sporting event. I know we've talked about it, and, and you know, we talked about it. and It might mean too much before. I know Kentucky fans; they, they got married uh, at, at the game in the suite. We talked about the LSU fans at the tailgate that we were at. I, who's who's a carrying
1: a, a diamond engagement ring around in their pocket during a sporting event?
0: To me, also and those how are you weddings? getting it in? Those were weddings, so I should preface that by saying that. But don't put it on the jumbotron at a sporting event. Yeah. Like, there's there's a better way. There's always a better way. What was it?
1: Oscar said in that that episode of uh The Office. He's like, if you find yourself using like props, he's like you, you've gone wrong. Um, so I think it, it's weird too because I always thought it was it was kind of weird and borderline cringy when people do because it's such a special moment. But like, so don't don't cheapen it with like cliche stuff like. Yeah, it, and I hope this is. I'm not trying to say this in a rude way. If this is your plan right now, because it is that time of year. If you're doing it on Christmas,
0: oh, don't do that. Don't. do Everyone
1: that. does that, or yeah. Valentine's Day, or New Year's. Like, like make it, like find something that's like weird, special just for you, you two.
0: Don't propose like for on her me, birthday either. Don't do that. No, because then that no. steals her birthday, and no. then if you ever have favorite, a kid have her on her birthday, up,
1: yeah, r- yeah, yeah, and but. then get married on your, her birthday too. So that way you just knock them out three and one. Um, no, oh. get married like like. I always thought it was weird when people have, like, a full-on, like, video or they had, like, you know, yeah. like, pictures because it's, like, man, it's, it's like, it, it kind of ruins the surprise. But then, again, like, when, when I proposed to Allie, um, again, it was a special day. It was the day before college football season started. Um, I but I was, like, we were at this. I had done a fake proposal for this thing we did. I don't – I think some people have heard the story where we did a uh, – a picture for social media for SDS where I was like, the like, proposing weddings, yeah. With a, yeah, like with a football and it's like no fall weddings. So I, we like, we're going for a walk in that same exact spot in Piedmont park where I was going to propose. And I knew I had, I had this plan for months. Like I knew it was going to happen. And, um, I was like, Hey, we should take a video real quick. So she was holding the phone out. Like, so I, I want to make sure we still had it. Like, you know, it is, a, it is a big moment, but it is kind of weird if you,
0: if, if there's like a full on production crew, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I, the yeah. people that do that, it's it's a little bit much. Like I, I think I've told the story here before. I actually, my proposal actually started with a bit of a lie. I had planned on proposing to my now wife Lauren by, um, we're gonna go to at the time I lived in Central Nebraska. We were gonna go spend our anniversary in downtown Lincoln. Um, right. beautiful place. They've got a great little downtown area there. And um, like very festive around the holidays. It was in December, of course, because that's like key right. proposal time. And so originally the plan was we were gonna go, we had looked at, at rings before. And so we were gonna go, I got a, a notice in the mail. I had already bought the ring, I bought it on Black Friday. And um, I got a no- I told the people, I'm like, do not send the statement. I still had like, you know, some money left to pay on it. Do not send it to our place. Do not send it because I don't yeah. want her to see it. She'll see it and be like, what's oh, this? Man. Sure enough, that happens. So I'm like – I'm scrambling. She's like, what in the world is this? And I'm like, oh, it's actually – I had no idea that it said on the envelope that it had been addressed from Lincoln or something. So I said, oh, it's actually uh, – I had reached out to the jewelry store in Lincoln and seen if they could you know, look up some stuff yeah. because they didn't have the ring that you, were, that you were interested in at the place that we had gone to nearby. And she bought it. And I said, "We're going to go on Saturday. We're going to go look at some rings and blah blah blah." So she's thinking that we're going to we're going to go look at some rings. It's totally not on her radar for at least another couple months. Little did she know, I, I had the ring already. And so I, t- I made sure that we weren't going to go look at rings on Saturday when we were in Lincoln. And she's yeah. like, kind of confused by this. And I'm like, you know, being really odd, odd about it at dinner. And you know, we went out It'd for odd dinner that night. I'm being out about it now because it was a lie. It was weird. I'm very uncomfortable lying in case you can't tell. So then afterwards, you know, in downtown Lincoln, I had like recited a a Ben Folds song, like one of her her favorite song of all time. She loves Ben Folds. Recited a line, kind of tied it back to our relationship. Got down on one knee, like downtown Lincoln on this like quieter street. And then... You know, she freaked out, and it was great. That was the story of my proposal. Didn't oh, have any intentions on telling that, but here we that go.
1: whole thing, that like the nightmare. I didn't know that's what you did with the ring because so like what because mine was we got it from like a jewelry like my whole family uses in in Columbia King's Jeweler in uh, in downtown Columbia, South Carolina. He's, they're the no best. Free ads. Sure enough, um, but regardless. <laughs> so when I got the ring, he was like, they had to do something like where it didn't fit, like something was like wrong. We had to like send it back, and they had to like get it like re re. Um, finished. Like no, it wasn't rescaled. Like it fit her, it fit her finger, but there was something wrong with like the actual cut of like, like they, Oh, they didn't put the, the correct diamond in. They put, uh... they put like a half carat too small or like a like three quarters of a carat too small that like from what I actually ordered. So I'm like freaking out. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. Cause like the, the, the correct diamond is not here. And I'm like, find a diamond dude. It's a, it's a jewelry store. So he overnighted, another ring to me. It got it all worked out. We took another jeweler and and figured something out overnight. But that is the worst feeling in the world because it's like, dude, I mean, like you're you're waiting on this massive, massive investment that ends in divorce usually. So it's
0: like... (laughs) And if you make it bigger, too, like with all the friends and family involved, the yeah. chances of, of somehow like all the moving pieces not working out, it, it, it's it, the likelihood of that increases. So, like I said, just keep it simple, yeah. sentimental. And good luck, Let's man. Yeah, good luck. Hope it goes well. Let us know how it goes. It might mean too much. Let's end with this. A very fitting story. This came out of Baton Rouge, WBRZ, the TV station. This guy's name is Cat Gluick. Name is Cat. All right. right, I'm Whatever. He's, he's a Tiger fan. That's fine. So he got some Tiger Stadium sod, which they were they were selling, and he got a couple patches to be able to put at his dad's grave. And he said, he said in this, you know, the TV story that they did on him, he said, "Now you can rest under Tiger Stadium." Or I think he said this in the in the Facebook post. I should preface that. Uh, he said, "Now you can rest under Tiger Stadium until the end of time." That's pretty cool.
1: I don't hate that. I know this
0: isn't might mean too much. I'm not going to hate on a guy for doing that. That's that's actually pretty cool. Like if if you could tell me, I could go to. I mean, like. We cremated my dad was cremated, like so we didn't, you know, have anything like that with the burial site or anything, so I'm kind of unfamiliar with that. But if you could tell me I could go to Wrigley Field and get a patch of grass to put in his grave, and yeah. be like, Yeah, that's sign me cool. up, I'll do that. Only part of this that's sketchy. Digging up the previous grass at the grave site is kinda of weird. Ugh. Think about that? Well, yeah. this this is taking a turn for the worse. <laughs> All right, let's close out with A little reminder about our live show. If you have not bought your tickets yet, please, please, please go do that. It's going to be so much fun. Peter Burns, Jacob Hester, they're going to be in the house. Like we said, Cash Bar, you want to enjoy a place to spend a Friday night, College Football Hall of Fame, you're going to get free weekend admission. Make sure that if you have not yet, please, please, please buy your tickets. We cannot wait to see all of you there. It's going to be so much fun. We're looking forward to it. SEC Championship Weekend. This is a great weekend in college football, man. I know we have less games. There are less teams involved. People are throwing out a lot of stuff about the 18 playoff. This is a great weekend in college football that I am really, really looking forward yep. to. And our live show is going to be the highlight of the weekend. I think. I right. Watch Facebook Live with Marler. Oh, we're, are we doing that Saturday morning as well? Yeah. Okay. we got a full house this weekend. You're going to be here. My parents are going to be here. Meeting Patty Sue for the first time. That's i right. Cannot wait. It's going to be a fun weekend. Follow us on all forms of social media. We're going to have great uh, stuff from our live show as well. Saturday Down South on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Pod, at Vern Funquist, at CGO Guerra. Matt Luke, one more time, man. One more time. Can you take us out? I mean, it it definitely means too much.
1: I'm going to go fake dog
0: pee on on this entire
1: dang thing. Talk to you all this weekend.